Well, it's 5 p.m. on a Tuesday. I have a gin. Let's talk tech stuff. We were supposed to have uh, Jeremy Knees, the chief operations officer, the chief operating officer. Uh, some people say that different ways, uh, joining us, uh, but he has got a terrible bout of gastro. So thoughts and prayers, and we'll see him next time. How are you, Nick? You Shipping good? Some TP. I'm, I'm recovering. I apologize for the croaky Morgan Freeman voice that I'm trying to do. Uh, no, that's as well hot. As all coughing. Sounds good. Just go with it now. It's yeah. my life. Hmm. Yeah, post-COVID. How was the COVID experience? Uh, what you thought it would be or much, 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 much worse? Much, much worse. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was expecting the seasonal cold uh, and I got left with the razor blades in the throat and coughing for about two weeks straight now. So That's great. Yeah, it's been exciting. Okay. <laughs> but it's the fatigue that gets you. It's I still think fatigue. it's, it's uh, I'm not sure if it's COVID or just absolute body closing up shop on you after our week together in new zealand but that's okay look this could just be what rock bottom feels like and you know we'll just never have to repeat that again because <laughs> no we will we will have to repeat that again we will. no because yeah, uh, that will. was um when we were last in new zealand we were together recording the last episode of this and it was that week was that that was after our week of chaos seeing our partners and it was after, after the week of chaos yeah, yeah. I, I went down down to that course for three days and then and then caught it on the return Right. Okay. So it's Christchurch's fault. Okay. Yeah. yeah it seems well, to be the place to get it in New Zealand. All right. Well, let's kick in. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. A lot of things I want to talk about, actually. Have you caught up on the Spanish law that's being proposed around the requirement for calls to be answered by a person within three minutes? I have because I read your notes. So uh, very you've got exciting. In there. Okay. I finally found it. And okay. that does sound pretty pretty interesting from the spanish there and i think it's also going to have like 24 7 365 day support around the clock go you full did read the guns blazing i did yeah. all in. so if if that was to be done here how many companies would struggle uh to even get close uh to a three minute answer time by a real person particularly when i think the law the proposed law is saying uh, utilities have to do this in any company over two, what do my notes say? 250 workers or 40 million euros in annual revenue have to make that happen. I, I think they can, but it's going to squeeze their margins and it's going to be like, yeah, we answered it. Please hold. Yeah, that's it. Eh? There were, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like how substantive does the actual answer have to be? It's got to be some kind of meaningful outcome, like maybe like first resolution within an hour would be, you know, a far better metric than answer it within three minutes and sit on hold and call center hell, which most people sit in when you get to 250 million in Telco. Hmm. Um, but isn't that interesting though, how like, you know, well-intentioned um, ideas when targeted around the wrong metrics get completely unintended consequences? Because I think you're right. Like to avoid, what was the fine? It's... um something like a hundred thousand euros. Um, mm. so you've got, all you have to do is have someone answer the phone, at least it's under the proposed legislation as it was reported going, like you said, like, Hey, uh, yep. Got your call. Please hold for another three hours. Like, uh, mm. basically you're not achieving anything except getting a vanity metric that says, yep, we answered every call within three minutes, but customer experience Could remains interesting. And a new tier, tier zero. Uh, which is just the answering tier. Uh, you don't even get first level escalation. It's it's just pure crap. So what you're saying, business opportunity. 
tier zero call centers. Tier zero call centers. Outsource tier zero. Let's do it. Don't even have to speak speak the language. Just just answer. We well, it's Spain, so we could just be like, no bueno. Please hold. No English. But I guess the 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 key thing here, I I suppose, the key takeaway for me is that internationally there's a a just an omnipresent frustration at the ability to get customer service and utilities within our sector uh, in a reasonable time frame. I know I was actually on the phone waiting for Air New Zealand for about four hours the other day. Well, that's not quite true. I waited for the better part of an hour. The repeating message was saying that we might have to wait four hours. Um, and you know, I have the whole, uh, here's just me, just humble brag, but uh, I got the whole elite status thing with Air New Zealand. So I was like, yep, this should not be too bad, but apparently, apparently not the case. So it's not just utilities, mm-hmm. but it it really does impact the customer experience. And yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure the legislation is the right play, but it's it's just a reflection of, I guess, that that pervasive frustration. I'm a big fan of uh, minimal legislation, uh, and particularly when it comes to how to answer your bloody phone. Like that is overreach. You struck me as a guy who would be all about government jumping in and telling companies how to uh, how and when to answer customer inquiries 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 no no definitely not i mean i I love my processes i love my compliance but i hate government overreach so anarchist it's Um, probably a podcast in that (laughs) probably probably a podcast (laughs) in that Mm. all right well basically then let's see if that actually turns into law and if it does turn into law let's see if the intended outcomes are actually realized or if customer experience still sucks they just get one brief moment of a human saying hey we'll be with you much much later all right moving on uh, i want to talk about a triple c over here in australia seeking feedback on the tpg telstra plan to um essentially merge networks or rather um get rid of some of tpg's network and use telstra's network uh in the bush well regional areas so the background here is that when Vodafone and TPG merged, there must have been some calculations made around the ability to get rid of some of the infrastructure, the, the cost-intensive infrastructure, mm. um, and less sort of economical areas to deliver mobile broadband. And TPG, the new brand, um, which incorporates the Vodafone entity that, that was merged, uh, have struck a deal with Telstra where they will essentially share resources and close down a whole bunch of, of uh, assets um, uh, in turn. So Optus obviously is, a, is, is having a lot to say about this, saying that um, it's going to decrease competition, it's going to leave people in regional areas with uh, very few options, that at best you've got a rebadged version of the same network um, versus another, that being TPG or Telstra. Um, there's about a 14-day period, probably about 10 days left, I think, if I've got my dates right, um, where ACCC is seeking feedback on this. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on you know, I guess the ethics of, of what's going down here? I don't like it. Um, I certainly think that, that there's a play there where it would have been smarter for them both to sell off assets to a third-party entity. Um, and then open that up so that others like Optus could come in there and be able to leverage those assets that are perhaps a more competitive price point than what will remain after this. But I, I, I generally feel that you know that's a better operating model and it's going to run them down far less in compliance and 
bureaucracy as they try and get the steel across the line. It's funny. I think usually when there's these uh, like Vodafone TPG merger, HWC looks at it much like the Commerce Commission in New Zealand going, hey, is this going to limit competition, um, create a monopoly, drive in user prices up higher, um, create barriers to entry, that kind of thing. And in a pretty big segment of the market, the consequences of the TPG Vodafone merger look to be doing just that. So like from a business perspective, I look at it, I go, yeah, it makes total sense. Like if you're TPG and you're looking at it and you're going, hey, look, we've got these assets that aren't particularly viable. Um, if we look at the, you know, the return on investment, um, why wouldn't they look to utilize other assets uh, and and get you know some efficiencies in place? But you know, the ACCC's job here is to look out for the end user, um, to look at market dynamics. So um, I understand the forces at play, but yeah, it seems seems a touch on the nose. It's a tough one to balance. Uh, talking about mergers, uh, we got two degrees in Orcon NZ. Hmm. Uh, I think this week, last week. Wrapped all that up. Uh, saw a lot of stuff on LinkedIn last week. Last week, last okay. week yeah, last week. Uh, so um, you pointed out the big news uh, that a lot of people are missing in relation to that particular change, though. Mm. Can you can you fill us it's in? It's a real key one. It should have been the headline. I, it should have been I'm amazed we've not had anyone reach out to us about this. But please go on. Uh, yeah, and that is <clears throat> with the new Orcon Two Degrees merger. Obviously, they are now the third largest telco in New Zealand. Uh, but the key message here is that Lightwire is now the ninth largest internet service Thank provider you. in New Zealand. In my head, I genuinely can hear. Moving I, up from a whopping I can, I can honestly hear applause. Like I can, I'm, I'm imagining the applause. Um, we, it, it's that old um, kind of office clip art. Yeah, 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 sound yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, from, from the 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drunk office party uh, cheering. Yeah. Um, uh, I put... Your comment about how uh, just like that, um, likewise the tenth, uh, the the ninth biggest ISP in New Zealand. Not how I thought it would happen, but uh, good all the same. As a comment on, I think Chris Keel from MBR. No, he's uh, Herald now. I think uh, piece about uh, about the merger and Mark Calendar and blah blah. blah. And uh, at the time of recording, there's more likes on that comment than any other underneath it, including Mike Calendar's own comment and Jason Paris's. So. I just think that's a real sign of of engagement by the by the tech community in our rise to the top, and mm. um, I just like to thank everyone that did uh, comment and like on that post. Look, fighting for a MBMO that works for New Zealand. Yeah, seriously though, that's actually a really good point. So yeah, I actually I met with Mark uh, recently, and I again floated the idea of hey, do you want to maybe do something about the state of MBMO in New Zealand? Um, because in his time as head of what was Vocus uh, NZ, you know, he was pretty clear that the MVNO space sucked. There was a reason why they weren't getting a lot of traction um, with mobile data or mobile voice. Um, he's in a really good place now to be able to, to change that up. Um, but, you know, he's a savvy operator. He'll do what's in the best interests of, of the, the new entity. And uh, I can only hope that his best interests intersect with uh, the rest of the markets. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot of undangling to do with another merger going to both. So you use the word there, undangling. I've never heard that before. Undangling. Oh, Did you say yes? It's my, it's my, it's my kind of blocked up, you know, post-COVID nasally throaty uh, English. No, don't down. It sounds great. Um, okay, so uh, I had a question here for Jeremy Nees. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he can't join us, so I'm going to skip that. Um, 
Christian, is Elon Musk a giant tool? Discuss. Mm. Public opinion is swaying that way, uh, particularly when you say things like work in the office 40 hours a week minimum or piss off. Um, in a highly competitive tech market where a lot of your competitors would probably want to hire your staff. Uh, yeah. Bad move. Bad that move. 40 hours thing was really interesting too because he was like, once you've worked a minimum, and I mean minimum, of 40 hours in the office, then you can do remote work. So is he saying that at Tesla it's really normal for people to work 50 hours or 60 hours and you're graciously being allowed to work those extra 10 or 20 hours from home is that yeah at home mm. yeah that, that that's the that's the hidden meaning behind that it's uh go big aim for 100 uh you can have 60 at home and 40 in the office because you're 40 in the office compared to 60 at home he was know, also saying just sounds um, sweet the office isn't any office it's the office that you're most related to e.g you can't you know be at some californian office if the sphere of your influence largely relates to say uh texas you know um or somewhere else so he's being very specific about it and i just to your point about tech shortfall it seems like a weird time to be presenting yourself in a way that makes a lot of people go would i want to work for tesla no i'm a smart human i'm going to go work for that other tech company whatever that might be i mean maybe the proof is in the pudding that his little new robot and I say little as I hate that because it's so like, you know, it just takes mm. it down a notch. But that new robot of his, which looks pretty cool, um, you know, maybe he's got them all lined up. Maybe he doesn't need the executive team. He's built his own robotic executive team. Uh, tinfoil hat, conspiracy <laughs> therapy stuff there, but I'm sure the people over at Amazon would love to do an Alexa version of that uh, and would be happy to take the executive team. I do feel them. like if there's one person I do not trust to create a new robot overlords, it's Elon Musk. Um, and But on a serious note, I think there's a almost like an innate desire to put intelligent people on a pedestal when they create something new and exciting. We, I think we, we want them to be a better version of ourselves and we project that onto them. And I think we've done that with him and, um, I don't know if he's going through some transformation of his own or if he's always been this person who we are now just seeing really come to light as, as he gets more and more airtime. But um, he's not particularly enlightened as far as I can tell. He's not particularly progressive in the way that he thinks about humans. I mean, look at his uh, comment around uh, 10% of staff have to go. A um, little bit of nuance in that. He's clearly referring to white-collared staff, not manufacturing staff. He's still looking to ramp up production. But even so... Each one of those, each person within that 10% is an actual human. There was not a sign of empathy in that announcement. There was not a sign of a desire to help those people transition to something else. And uh, that, for me, speaks volumes. I think that's a bit of US culture there as well, though, because, I mean, it was a big week in tech with everyone going, basically, let's just downsize the workforce by 10%. He wasn't the he wasn't the only one to say what, that. What else did you see? What they were the other, heard the same thing. So it, what else did you see? It may have been. Um, I honestly I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm gonna blame the COVID brain, but um, I think it might have been Amazon or, or one of the other big ones. Um, but there is that. It, it, it's purely a numbers game. It's, it's, so so it's your that, that's interesting though because I was saying this to Remain, um, our um, ever present but never on camera uh, producer, that. Um, just just before we started recording, actually, that I saw a post on LinkedIn earlier where it was 
a guy, I can't remember the name, sorry, so I can't give any um, attribution to this, but uh, he posted something like another tough week in MarTech uh, where, um, you know, I've just spoken to another couple of people who've been let go, um, really tough time. And from where I sit, I'm like, what tough time? Like uh, skilled talents are really hard to find. Um, Mm. We're seeing record, um, uh, you know, low employment, unemployment rates market participation is an all-time high. There, there seems to be some either transition happening and we're just sort of seeing the end of one set of metrics, which is the almost full employment and everything's really short in terms of skills and really expensive and the emergence of a new, um, I guess, uh, narrative coming out, which is, oh God, everyone's being laid off. Or there's like a two-paced thing going on where it's very um, specific segments that are seeing some impact. What's your take? I think in MarTech particularly, there's probably a lot of useless people. Um, No offense. Maybe the thread. (laughs) No offense. Uh, Certainly not to the ones that are good at the jobs. Um, But, you know, that term recession and shoring up the cash flow for the months and years to come, you know, it's just an excuse to get rid of people and get rid of the bad eggs. And if you've got, you know, employment law that perhaps allows you to do that with a, you know, swift a swish of your mm. pen and they're gone. You know, I think a lot of firms do that, particularly those that are, you know, listed and need to deliver some kind of shareholder return when there's, you know, drying up sales. And it's a similar yeah, thing where, where companies have a clause that the particularly in regulated environments uh, where they're allowed to enact rate of CPI adjustments for their price points. Um, often a period of high inflation is an excuse for them to really just ramp it up, you know? Yeah. Take it to the max. It's one of the few opportunities they'll have to do that. So I think to a certain extent, I, I certainly see a point where, um, you know, high inflationary uh, period with a lot of talk about recession allows you to do a lot of things, uh, you know, that, that are in the best interest of the business, but perhaps not directly related to the environment you're working within. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, you know, I imagine that's going to be the next six months. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a one-off. You know, this is a, this is the June special. Where it's going yeah. to be a through to Christmas type thing. Well, that's fun. That's something to look forward to. Cool. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's talk about the next thing I had, which I huh, sucked in. I didn't have it in my notes. So you don't even know I was going to talk about this. Uh, it's, it's up in the old uh, brain. But uh, consumer health metrics. No. Uh, no, and, and also in the notes, I didn't say consumer, I said customer, but anyway, um, customer, I know, I was just testing. Cool, no, uh, I am talking about, uh, I want to talk about these gins are strong, I have to be honest. They're, uh, maybe I haven't eaten enough navy strength or navy plus, <laughs> I think it might be navy. It's the, the lightweight branded gin, by the way, it's uh, it's really quite good. Mm. Yeah, it anyway, is, it uh, is. Comment for a uh, comment for yeah, a bottle, sure. I guess. If, if someone listening right. to this uh, messages me on LinkedIn and says, I would like one of those bottles, and you're one of the first five people to say that to me, I will make sure you get a bottle. And it's really quite good. Um, okay. But anyway, what I was going to say is in the UK, they're starting a, um, a trial, the biggest trial to date of the four day working week. I believe there was 70 customers with mm-hmm. 3,000 employees. What do you mean? No, 70 companies with 30,000 employees. I'm like slightly more than 50% sure I've got that right. 
and uh, it's it's trialing the the four day working week with the idea that it's going to decrease the impact on the environment um, uh, for those companies with you know reduced commute and well probably just reduced commute uh, and that it will um, improve employee retention and through having a super motivated workforce who loves their job and is refreshed and all that kind of jazz that they're giving a great customer experience. Uh, from where you sit and like you, you manage a team of, of, uh, BDMs and AMs and sales support. Mm. What do you see the blockers for that in, in your role? Oh, I mean, <clears throat> the starting one is if you're working with markets that don't have the day off that you take. So if everyone in your company takes the Monday off, whether that's a regulated public holiday as an example, or that's the day that everyone takes off because you now work four days a week, you know, you are going to have uh, tough, you know, I guess a condensed work week to get back to those customers. They're going to have a bad experience. Uh, hopefully they're not from Spain because uh, then you're going to have some regulatory Good back issues like it. Uh, with yeah. your core wait times. Yeah, just like yeah. to tie it all together yeah. in a nice little knot. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we, we've just, we just had a public holiday here yesterday, Queen's birthday. Probably one of those ones we don't really need in New Zealand anymore. Ooh, Republican monarchy. Let's let's but, let's come back know. to that. Oh, Republican. There we go. It's all coming through um, tonight. But you know, I, I feel what what it's been left with is yeah. Me me me, from, me personally, I've, I've got you know customers over in Australia as well that I deal with and stuff over there. And there's there's always just kind of that that backlog of of getting into it again once you've had a public holiday or a day off um, and condensing it in there. And those four days. They, you know, they're either t- ten hours a day. They're not. They're not eight-hour days. They're not. Well, you know, Elon would still make you work your forty hours uh, within those four yeah. days, regardless. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't think there will be additional outputs from the people on that, based off the human concentration span. Just stretch another kind of couple of cycles of half hours to to get that out in a day. It's not going to be the I feel like I try and frame conversations or, or decisions around customer experience. Like how would the customer benefit from this? Mm. I get the argument that uh, people are going to be refreshed and love their job and provide a great experience, but only if there's even more staff to cover the day they're not doing. So if I look at our company, yep. we would have to actually employ more people to do the same amount of work. To do so. You can't just do that without increasing costs to ensure that you're still profitable and can pay those people. So would Mm. the end customer be prepared to pay more to buy from a business that is running a four-day work week? And the answer... That probably ties in to the industry that they're working working with or purchasing from. I mean, professional services, yeah, they'd probably be be great you might pay a premium mm. for that um but you know something more tactile like infrastructure and things like that you're probably not going to i'm guessing that it's a race to the bottom i mean it could be a scale game right like if you if you could have two cohorts of or two teams essentially covering say let's say support desk for example monday to thursday friday mm. to sunday or friday to monday monday you just have heaps of capacity because reasons, I don't know, maybe Monday's a busy day for inbound calls as everyone gets back for the weekend and decides they're going to be productive and ask questions of your business. Um, that could work, I guess, but I feel like there's a ramp up period to that. And are you still going to be operating at the most efficient level? 
are you going to have competitors who refuse to take that up? I mean, I'm just thinking like the TPGs of this world. There's no way they're moving to a four-day work week. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're, they're price leaders and they do everything they can to ensure that they have the ability to run with the most tiny margins of all time. So how do you, how do you prov- or maybe that's sort of, it's sort of it's retaining talent by offering that and then offshoring the rest, which doesn't relate back to the customer experience, but comes back to reduced cost and all that yeah, other stuff. Gross. So. I, I don't know. I just I I really like the idea. Like I do. I I think who wouldn't want to work a four day week? Who wouldn't want to offer a job to the best possible candidate that says, "Hey, we're going to pay you market rates, and you have to work four days." Of course, that'd be amazing. Every every bit of, of business success starts with having the right people on the bus. And one of the best ways to get the best people on your team is by offering them what other businesses don't. So there's going to be the early adopters in certain industries where it's possible and it's awesome. I just am yet to really see how it's viable in a price-driven industry like ours. To, to It has to be output-driven. It has to be. Because because four day I don't think four day work weeks particularly work, but it should entirely be flexible based off your output and when and when and customers need you. I had a customer call me. I spent half an hour on the phone with them on Saturday. We had a great chat, twenty eight minutes of chatting and two minutes of business. But it was you know <laughs> it was all it was all good, and you know he just had a question. But he's changed up his the way he works, mm-hmm. so he now works weekends and then has Tuesday Wednesday off because that's what he needed to do for his company and, and for his relationship. But, you know, if that was for everyone to start taking this kind of every day is a kind of a work day and there's just some people work that day and don't, you know, it'd be at a utter anarchy because you never know when you're going to get a response yeah. back from someone. Like not to throw any ideas out there, but so I think in my role, um, I could probably work a four-day working week and, and maybe I'll start that tomorrow. But um, there's yeah. a lot of other people like you, for example, who just just, just books and podcasts. It's fine. Um, I just <laughs> save files in weird places and give them strange names and then challenge you to go find them with no, no forewarning given. But just, it is. Chaos. <laughs> chaos. Chaos drops. But so let's just say I could go to a four-day working week and I'm sure that's fine um, uh, without question. You mm. certainly couldn't um, for a whole range of reasons. But but I think mm. the point I'm trying to make here, the labored, labored point I'm trying to make is that it's role-specific. Within a business, there will be people who can work four days because yeah. they can prioritize their time, maybe chuck in a couple of extra hours, which isn't the point of four networking weeks, but but it could probably be done. But there are other people who, while they might not be busy every hour of every day, they need to be there. They need to be available, support roles, sales roles, provisioning roles, all that kind of stuff. They can't just go, sorry, Friday's rough for us. Uh, if you need something on that day, see you Monday. Like it's it does not work. So that's when you get back to the, okay, well, then you yeah. augment the size of the team. Is that viable in a very tight market? Almost certainly not. One could almost argue that this trial has been done many over many decades with salespeople Oof. on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting. That's um, uh, contentious. Hmm. And how did that work for everyone? They just that's knew true. not to call that's on a Friday foreign. afternoon. Uh, not with us. But that's but, a foreign. But you know, that was certainly an industry norm for a long days, time. I think is what you're talking about there. Maybe four and a half. Yeah, but morning was just That's enjoying true. paperwork. So those are the old days. I heard stories back in the anyway. day of, um, particularly with rugby players that would um, back in the amateur days, and even in the early professional days, they'd be working for breweries mostly, beer companies in New Zealand, and they'd uh, 
mm. have these jobs and it was like, yeah, Friday morning was paperwork day and then Friday afternoon was on the drink uh, and it was it was just a known just how it was but nowadays it's gotten very professional and you know everything's tracked the vehicles are tracked and they've got their ipads with their order summaries and it's all the fun's gone i guess is what i'm saying glory days are over. sucks to be us um all right look we're going to talk about uh, customer health metrics some other day because under the current chat vibe it seems kind of lame but i'm looking really forward to the chat with Marnie Stockman, uh, who I'm meeting with, I think next week, Remain, we're meeting with her next week. Yep, cool, who wrote the book on uh, customer success for MSPs, and we'll talk to her then. But, mate, if you're happy, I'm going to let you go because you are still recovering. Uh, I appreciate you joining us late in the evening, um, although I do mm. enjoy this time of night for recording because it allows a, uh, a drink or two without me feeling like I've got a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a better time mm. for drinking than during the day, and there's definitely less vibrations going in my that pocket from my phone. Uh, and emails. It, does. So, you know, it works at this time of night, uh, but I think our, our good content producer uh, is going to need to ship me some more lighting. It doesn't look dark. dark. You look good. You look good. Hmm. You look better and than normal. You look less, dark. as I said earlier, less vampire-y, less, uh, less offensively pale. It's probably all the sleep, <laughs> sleep I've been doing. Yeah. Oh, nice. We'll put it down to the sleep. All right, cool. Well, uh, let's, let's leave it there. Let's uh, say goodbye and uh, we'll close this out. Until next time. 